Hello, and welcome to the Outlier Podcast, the podcast for everyone who's interested in building better homes. My name is Sandra, and I am hosting this podcast with Anthony, the founder and lead designer at Outlier Studio, who is passionate about creating beautiful and high-performing homes. Together, we sit down once a month to chat with industry experts and to answer your questions about high-performance homes. We want to educate Australians about the possibilities of energy-efficient design and to change the way we build houses today. We hope you join us on that journey. For the first episode of 2022, we sat down with Ben O'Brien from Solar Pro Bendigo. Ben is a sustainable systems engineer and super passionate about renewable energy. We talked about how exactly solar energy works and what the rebate system is like. But we also went a bit deeper into some more challenging questions around the sustainability of solar panels and the current design of the grid. Anthony and I learned a lot in this episode, and we hope you will too. Ben has a great way of explaining complex technology in simple terms, and his passion for solar is really infectious. So let's get right into it. Here's our chat with Ben from Solar Pro Bendigo. Thanks again for joining us today, Ben. We're super excited to have this chat. Um, solar energy is a big polarizing topic, and we have a lot of ground to cover for sure. But first of all, um, we wanted to get to know you a little bit better. How did you get into solar panels and what was your motivation behind becoming a sustainable systems engineer? Hey, yeah, well, thanks so much for having me on. Um, yeah, great initiative and, and movement that you guys are driving. So glad to be here. Um, how did I get into solar? It's a bit of an interesting one. I was just just going through school and doing maths and being told I was good at it. So then did an engineering class in year 12 where we did all sorts of random things and I built a crane and uh, things like that. And then uh, there was a little test in year 12, it was worth 5% of the year, so not much, um, about renewable energy. And uh, yeah, me and my mates were talking a bit too much, so I didn't really listen when it was being taught. So I was like, oh, I better study for this and figure out what's going on. Uh, so yeah, just did some Googling of yeah, different types of renewable energy and then um, just fell down the rabbit hole, really. I was just like, this is crazy. We can create electricity out of thin air out of nothing so i was just thought that's so cool like how do i get involved in this and uh i've just been thinking about it ever since yeah yeah talking about education can you maybe explain in simple terms um how exactly a solar system works because i think a lot of people they see a solar panel and they kind of understand they have to be on the roof and the sun hits it and then they kind of create energy but i don't think um, a lot of people really know how they work in detail. So that might be a good thing for people to know. Yeah, cool. And it is pretty interesting as well. So, um, yeah, basically your solar panel has a layer of silicon solar cells inside it, which are protected by a glass sheet. Um, and so this silicon is doped in a chemical that gives it uh, a positive and negative charge. And um, yeah, essentially what happens is you get photons or, or energy coming from the light. It comes and hits this silicon and the electrons inside the silicon atoms um, then begin to travel towards, um, towards uh, each end of the solar panel, of the silicon cell, I should say. Uh, and then so electricity begins to flow because the electrons have been excited enough to take the jump to the other side of the cell. And, uh, and that's... That's electricity as we know it. And so that gives us what's called a direct flow, oh, sorry, direct current electricity. So that's just a steady flow of electricity flowing through a cable. Um, and then, so that's the same as what we get in our little 
AA batteries and things like that. That's what we're used to. Uh, however, in our house, that's not compatible uh, with our house. Our houses actually use what's called alternating current. So if you've ever um, grabbed a camera and filmed a, a light that's on in your house, you'll notice that it's flickering. You can't see it with your eye, but your camera will see the lights flickering. It's because the current's alternating through the lights, actually going pulsing back and forth, back and forth really fast. Um, and so to make this energy from your solar pa panels usable uh, by your house, we have to put it in, through an inverter, so, or it should be called a converter. It converts it from uh, direct current to alternating current, uh, and then it can be used by your house uh, and can be used to the grid as well. So you'll just have your own little power station up there on the roof. Um, and yeah, so it's cool to know how it works because uh, as I've just said, it's actually powered by light, not by heat. So some people think oh, it's 45 degrees outside, solar system must be roaring today, but it's actually um, not quite the case. Actually 25 degrees is normally around your optimum temperature and you actually start to get a D rating as it gets hotter. So. Anyone listening somewhere cold and miserable like Kyneton or Ballarat, um, yeah, solar could <laughs> still be for you. <laughs> um, and so, so yeah, that's, that's cool. And then with the electricity, it'll come down from the roof through the inverter into your house uh, and ultimately, hopefully, we'll get all used up by your house. If there's anything le extra left over, it'll get sent back into the grid and you'll get a little money for it from, um, from power companies, which is always good. Yeah, fantastic. Um, on that note, maybe you, Ben, if it's okay, could you sort of just expand a bit further on what that means for an individual when it does go back into that power does go back into the grid. So maybe ex sort of expand on maybe some tariffs and, and STCs and what they are and um, and how people can benefit from them. Yeah, cool. So um, yeah, a lot of people, most people, when you say solar, they they reply with rebate. Do I get free money? So um, yeah, there's. A lot of people um, are aware of that. It is because it's so good for the environment, of course, and um, lowers the cost of living day to day. The government want people to, to invest in solar as much as I do, so which is always good. Um, so there's two types. I think there's a bit of jargon just to get our heads around. So there's there's two sort of big words that we'll throw around. One is feed-in tariff or feed-in credit, and the other one is a rebate. So the first one, coming off the back of what I've just said about putting energy into the grid that's a feed-in into the grid so you get a feed-in tariff or feed-in credit on your electricity bill for that so you'll get about six cents per kilowatt hour um, for that um, important thing to pause and explain as well a kilowatt hour because um, a kilowatt and a kilowatt hour are not the same thing so basically a uh, one is a unit of energy uh, and one is a rate of energy so think of it um, if we use water for example um, a kilowatt could be a litre per second. Uh, so it's the rate that we're creating electricity. It's instantaneous. So we're creating one kilowatt of electricity. Um, and then a kilowatt hour is uh, that energy multiplied, that power multiplied by the time that it's done for. So if we're producing one kilowatt of electricity for a whole hour, that's uh, one kilowatt times one hour equals one kilowatt hour. So that's so yeah you maybe it's better to think of um yeah kilowatts like liters per second and a kilowatt hour is how many liters of electricity it actually produces. so for every liter you send back to the grid you'll get sort of six or seven cents now which isn't as much as it used to um but as i think we'll talk about probably later i'm a big fan of monitoring and 
and really being tuned into your system. So you make your money by keeping it in the bank this day, by not purchasing power from the grid, just being as self-reliant as you can. Um, yeah, my goal actually isn't to pump energy back into the grid for, for you or for my customers. It's to um, be, use your self, self-consumption, get that as high as you can for using your own energy. Um, and then, so that's the feed-in tariffs or the feed-in credits. And then the other big word, of course, is the rebates. This is why we all pay taxes, get free government, free money from our governments. And um, in Australia, we're lucky enough, we've got three governments, uh, federal, state and local council, and two of them are giving us free money. So that's pretty good. <laughs> uh, so the first rebate is the federal rebate. That's uh, called the STCs, as you said, Anthony. Or um, You know what that stands for, Anthony, STCs? No, I'm going to lean on your wisdom here. <laughs> uh, that's all right. I actually didn't know. I was working for about a year before I stopped. And I'm like, what does this actually stand for? Yeah. It's a small technology <laughs> certificate. And, um, and so that's just awarded to you if you put solar panels together with an inverter um, at the same time. And it expands along as the system size increases. So that's why sort of going for a few extra panels is often a good idea because the government's slightly subsidising on, on your way up and in increasing in system size. Then the second rebate is the Solar Victoria rebate here in Victoria. I think other states like South Australia have them as well. Um, and so at the moment in uh, the first half of 2022, because it reduces every financial year, um, eligible for $1,400 from the state government uh, and for if you're putting a PV system on. Or you can't have both of these, but you can have one or the other. If you're putting a battery in, um, you can get $3,500 at the moment for a battery rebate. So um, it is quite um, attractive, especially the battery one. A lot of people think that they'll get batteries down the line when they get cheaper, but um, with the rebate as high as that and dropping every financial year, um, yeah, I'd encourage people to think about, well, maybe now's the time to get a battery. So, yeah, and then important just eligibility criteria for that while we're here is um, for the state, federal rebates, there's no criteria besides just having an inverter and being less than 100 kilowatts, which won't trouble any of our customers on residential homes. Um, and so, yeah, eligibility is the... Two people on, or, or more, I guess, two people on the rates notice. Um, their combined income needs to be less than $180,000 a year. And the property must be worth less than $3 million. You put any put in properties through more than that, Anthony? Ooh, it might be a couple of larger farms or something, maybe, <laughs> that have uh, <laughs> been nothing in, in a city at the moment, no. <laughs> yeah, I haven't, I haven't had one yet that's been knocked back because of that. A few people wish they, they were. It's a pretty good problem to have, actually. <laughs> yeah. um, and then the other one is you just can't have participated in the Solar Victoria program um, before. So if you've had solar semi-recently, you may not be eligible. Um, yeah, that's about it. It's a free criteria. Yeah, great. Uh, further than that, I mean, are there any loans available for, for people to um, to maybe try and reduce the upfront cost initially? Yeah, so there's a couple of options here. The state government will offer you, so with the PV, they'll offer you $1,400 as an interest and fee-free loan. Um, and so, yeah, it's just $1,400 taken off the upfront costs and you'll just pay that back to the government. Uh, it's a direct debit type of situation. I think it's like $40 a month. Uh, which works out to be about three years, I believe, yeah. Um, and then alternatively, here at Solar Pro Bendigo, we've got a 
a finance partner as well. So we can put you, oh, excuse me, we can put a quote for you to, to get that fully financed. And often uh, I've been quite amazed actually when I put them together and go, that's actually cash flow positive. Like your electricity bill, your new electricity bill plus your finance repayments is actually cheaper than your electricity bill right now. So, and then wow. so you just, you ride the wave with, sure, your savings are marginal. Um, but you ride that for five years and then you just start printing money after that. You pay the system off and, and away you go. Like I was just like, shoot, a lot of people wouldn't know, but you actually can't afford not to get solar. So, <laughs> so there you go. I'll just turn this into an ad for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what, you know, that's, as those who are listening, it, it's just so beneficial for them to hear that as well because at the end of the day, if, they, if they're tuning in and they're sort of sitting there on the fence wondering, do I get solar or don't I get solar? Um, you know, that, that could have been all they needed to hear. So <laughs> just to push them in the right direction. Yeah. I mean, quotes are free, phone calls are free. I love talking to people a little bit too much. So yeah, <laughs> worst you can do is, is sort of waste a bit of your time. That's the worst you can do. It won't cost you a cent just to get, get an idea of what will happen. Yeah. So. While we were talking about batteries, can you maybe explain what are the upsides or the positives of getting a battery? Um, so why would I, if I choose to put solar panels on my house, um, why would I or should I also choose to to buy a battery with it? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a, lot, there's a lot of people that, that don't see value in batteries, but I, I really do like them. Um, they don't have as attractive uh, return on investment uh, specs as a solar system by itself. Um, the things that attract me to wanting to put a battery in my house are just day-to-day cash flow. So if you've got a $0 bill, um, that's just really makes things easy, right? So especially like if you're going to retire into you downsize your home and retire um, and you're sort of drawing money or from the sale of your last house or something, I think it's a great um Thing to spend your money on is a battery and solar system that's going to mean that you know when you're retired and you're getting a weekly income from your super fund or whatever um, that you don't have an electricity bill coming out of that you've already covered it you were smart when you bought the house and, and set yourself up really so so that's number one just day-to-day cash flow for me um well there's actually three number two i should honorable mention to the environment you've got clean green renewable energy you'd be completely self-sufficient um, and obviously there'd be no emissions associated with that. And the third thing is that you've got whole house backup. So um, often, yeah, if someone's going to run into a light pole, a, what is it called, a transmission tower or something like that and bring the power down in the whole street, often most batteries can back up your entire house. And so you don't even realise that you're, that you're off, that the grid's not on because the battery kicks in and, lights don't even flicker you just get a text message from your battery saying hey i've got you back my friend and, and you party on mm. so pretty pretty exciting stuff actually that's what great we can do. yeah um so these systems i imagine are all pretty much integrated with a, a phone app um you know these days and um so people are, are probably more acutely aware of their consumption and everything as well by having a solar system because uh, i'm sure you know you've got the capacity to monitor everything now uh, and i imagine the batteries do the same um, is that something that, you know, the systems that you work with, that's the case? Like they all have, uh, you know, an, an app sidekick as such that helps, um, you know, everyone monitor? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm super passionate about monitoring, actually. It's so in- integral. It's so important to getting good value out of a solar system now. So like I was saying with those 66 
0.1% feeding tariffs that people had 10 years ago. So monitoring didn't matter. You could put a one kilowatt system on, it would make four kilowatt hours of electricity a day. You'd go to work. You wouldn't see any of that in your house. It would all go to the grid at 66 cents times, you know, four hours, four kilowatt hours. Um, that's $2.40 or whatever. That's more than what you would spend on electricity that night. So you've covered your bill, job done. Um, but yeah, now that's not the way that you that we deal with solar. The way to make money from solar is by not buying electricity from the grid. So it's just being self-reliant, self-sufficient. And so if you don't have a battery in particular, monitoring is the way that um, you can actually just get everything out of your system. So if you can have a look at your app and say, you'll see a curve of like when your solar was producing and you'll see a little black line of when you're um, using electricity and you'll see little spikes when dishwashers and washing machines come on. And so basically it's just so important that you look at that every now and again, you look back on the day and you say, oh, there's a black spike just outside the, the yellow curve there. So it, basically the easy way to do it is anything underneath this yellow bell curve on your app, that was free. That didn't cost you anything. So I say people just go nuts during the middle of the day. Like I put solar on my nan's house because she's just like sitting in the cold, like or sitting in it, sweating and not putting the air con on. She doesn't want to spend the money on the air conditioner. I said, Nan, like this is free. There's the on button. Absolutely send it because it won't cost you a thing. <laughs> um, and so, and that's also how you, you make money. It's like really liberating to know like, Oh, let's turn the aircon up even more. Let's crank it up. It's not costing me anything still. Um, so it's cool. And like, I leave my house. This is crazy. My mum would slap me if she heard me say <laughs> this. But I actually leave my house for like five hours, leave the aircon on, and come back, and it's all good. And it hasn't cost me a cent. So, um, so it's really cool. And I can see that from the app. So, um, super important, I think. Mm. Yeah. Um, a little question that might be, um, this might be a very um, non-technical, stupid question, but if we're talking about the feeding tariff that you mentioned before, so obviously you would have to be connected to the main grid still with your house, right? Like you can't be completely off grid and feed into the system. So this is only available to people who have a solar setup, but are also connected to the normal grid. Is that right? Yeah, correct. So if you want to feed into the grid, then yeah, you've got to have a cable that's connecting you to it. So most systems are grid connected systems, we call them. Um, but yeah, the it's still true. And I think we do need to transition away from thinking that we need to send electricity back into the grid, even in a grid connect situation, you actually make the most money by um, using the electricity yourself in the middle of the day. And so secondly, by putting it in a battery or something like that, so you can use it yourself later on. Um, but yeah, you can still go solar with off grid. Um, it just means you, you wouldn't send anything back to the grid, which I don't think is a bad thing. You put it in your batteries and use it later at night. It's a good way to go as well. Yeah. This might be a great, um, point in the conversation to, um, start with one of our, um, more controversial questions. So what we did before we were chatting to people all around us and collecting questions. Um, and we don't just want to, you know, um, leave out the we don't want to leave out any potential criticism that people could have um towards solar systems um so one question we got um was that from their understanding the person who was asking the question the actual grid currently is not designed to have power supplied back into it by residential solar systems and um do you think this is something like does the grid require an overhaul will will that be redesigned um, or the question was, will companies start charging people to supply their unused power into the grid? 
cool. All right. Yeah, I, I love um, yeah just having some discussions about this stuff. And yeah, if we don't discuss it, we don't learn and we don't get anywhere. So does the grid need to be redesigned? The answer to that is is yes, but often people blame us. They blame the solar industry for the grid needing to be redesigned. So solar isn't the reason the grid needs to to be redesigned. The reason the grid needs to be redesigned is because our current method of creating electricity is really dirty and destroying our planet. <laughs> so, so we have to do something anyway. We have to move away from coal power for, um, because it's yeah destroying the planet, creating emissions, all sorts of problems. And so, um, it's just a, a way of life that while we're redesigning it anyway and we're looking at those solutions, we look at the solution, we look to solar and we look to wind and, and we are, well, how do these energy sources operate? And let's design the system around these energy sources. And so there's sort of many sub problems within um, going to rely on renewable energy uh, with solar, for example. A big problem is that all the energy is produced in the middle of the day while a lot of people are at work. Um, and often there's like often not heaps of demand at that time. So supply can outstrip demand. So yes, we actually are redesigning the grid. Uh, there's a new term called a virtual power plant, wherein yeah, eventually we'll, we'll tear up a power plant, like a coal powered one, split it up into a thousand uh, homes with solar and batteries on them. And then, yeah, your solar will get soaked up into all these batteries that are all connected to the grid. And then when there's a demand or when there's no demand, these batteries can be triggered remotely. You opt into this, it's not forced by, or by any means, but you opt into this, you'll get paid well for it, like $200 a year for participating. Um, all the batteries can work together as one big sponge. They can soak up that excess in the middle of the day and then they can release it back at night. Um, and for the individual homeowner on a micro scale, you're always financially better off because the there's no maintenance costs of a coal power plant anymore. So they're paying you that money to, you know, to let them access your battery and solar. So uh, that's a really cool thing. And the other part to that question was do, yeah, are we going to get, I've heard that's called the solar tax. People are scared about the solar tax. They're going to start charging us to send electricity back into the grid. The red flags happening everywhere. It's, um, that is uh, something that PowerCore's come out and said that they won't be doing until 2025, I think at least. Um, and even when they, if they do do it, um, the distributor, so in our region's PowerCore or City Power, they um, they need to have a really good reason for needing that to sort of finance the the redesign of the grid. The grid, yeah, wasn't really designed to have energy sources scattered throughout it. It was originally just one energy source in the Latrobe Valley, and then they just carted it around the state so there's some costs associated with that and so you've got to pay for it somehow um, but yeah you'll always be better off like you'll like you normally make say $300 a year from exporting electricity to the grid you might be taxed with $50 a year it's not a huge deal and um, if you ask me you should be using your app and, and you shouldn't really be exporting that much to the grid anyway you should be getting a battery or getting an electric car or um putting the dishwasher on a timer and running it during the day while you're at work. So, yeah, so that's probably my answer to that question. Oh, that's, yeah, again, so insightful. So um, I, I might just lead into another question then based on that. So are there any examples of homes that may not be suitable for solar moving forward and also looking to the future? 
Yep. Um, I can't really think of any. Like the one that comes to mind is like if you don't want a battery and you and you're just a, a super hard worker, like you're working like eight till eight or something like that. Um, then solar, I probably wouldn't feel good about putting solar on your home. Besides, you know, making the planet nice. <laughs> um, so yeah, it wouldn't be a financially good thing to do. I always do look at customers' energy data. I look at their load profile throughout the day, and I'll probably see in that instance all your energy usage is at you know seven o'clock in the morning and eight o'clock at night when you get home. Which is, it could be true for people if you're commuting to Melbourne um, for work. And so yeah, I have told people before like. I honestly couldn't in good conscience sell you a solar system. So um, that would be that would be one. Um, and the other one would just be if your if, if your roof is really really old and um, we have to drill holes in it. We lift just the screw that's already there. We pull that up, put a bracket in, put the screw back in. But basically, if we're too scared that your your roof's going to leak and you're going to blame us for it, um, yeah. So if your roof's looking bad or um, you're structurally not sure that this old weatherboard house is going to take the 20 kilos per panel. Um, that could be one, but it's very rare that, that we find someone that's um, not suitable. The only other one is a, a pressed aluminium tile. If anyone out there has any of those, um, I'm not sure that any installers want to be touching those because they are notorious for getting roof leaks after solar installers have a crack at them. So we don't really touch those anymore. They're pretty rare. Yeah, leading into another question there, probably from that, I suppose, is um, what requirements should a home have, do you think, to fit those solar panels? Do you think further to that than what you've just mentioned there? Is that, that sort of covers that, I guess, doesn't it really? Yeah, yeah. So it's just a roof over those four walls that I can use. That would be <laughs> handy. Um, and then I guess the other one is shading. So just have a look around. Because um, if, if there's some people like in Juniton, there's just tall trees right around their house and things like that. And, I don't know why I picked on Juniton. That would happen in a lot of places, um, especially <laughs> here in regional Vic where people are living on like five acres or whatever. Um, so, yeah, have a look at your house in the middle of the day. If there's if it's completely in the shade, like that is kind of a good thing because your house is nice and cool in summer. But, uh, yeah, you're not going to get much solar generation from that. And uh, I wouldn't bother with, um, with the solar system in that case, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't necessarily need to be the house either, right? It could be if there's a shed available or any roof space or, or clear, unshaded area that could facilitate solar panels. I'm sure that's okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I will actually just jump in if I can. If uh, if anyone's listening and they're, they're building a house, which they probably are if they're listening to this podcast, which is great. Um, if you're building a shed um, that you want to put solar on, please give us a call um, or your electrician a call that, yeah, preferably a solar electrician because the cable that connects your house to your shed has to be the right size. So if you just go for the cheapest shed you can find and the cable run is part of the shed deal, it might not be big enough to actually export solar back to the grid. So just give us a call first so we can size that up for you and make sure it's done right and we're not digging a $3,000 trench to fix it. Yeah, $3,000 is another good um, segue into talking maybe a little bit about the costs um, of solar. So we've talked about um, what kind of money you can get back if you decide to feed back into the grid. Um, but how much um, will it cost me to put a solar system on my house? And what is the payoff over time in an average home? 
I sort of I sort of hate saying this, but we'll go with a six point six kilowatt system. That's the number. It's the magic number in the solar industry. I'd love to know why, but um, but anyway, <laughs> it is what it is. So most people install a six point six kilowatt solar system on on their houses. Yeah, can you maybe quickly explain what um what that means? Yeah, so that's talking about um, the wattage of the solar panels combined on your roof. Um, so often, yeah, if you had, we have three 70 watt panels and we have 18 of them together, it's uh, 6,660 watts or 6.6 kilowatts, a kilowatt being a thousand watts. Um, and then that's often paired with a five kilowatt inverter. So we do oversize the, the panels to the inverter, which is good just because we don't have full sunlight all the time. So if we have 80% sunlight, but we've got 130% oversizing of our inverter then we can still get that at five kilowatt output that we're hoping for um so yeah that's a really popular system um, a lot of people probably don't need that much solar to be honest they're just exporting it to the grid and not getting much for it and some people need more if they've got swimming pools electric cars big split systems and things like that um, but nevertheless that seems to be the the most popular one that i'm seeing um, just around. If you type solar in Google once, 6.6 kilowatt ads will haunt you forevermore. But um, <laughs> so if we run with that, I'll be the I'll, I'll be the the cookie cutter designer that I had to be. And um, yeah, so a 6.6 kilowatt solar system um, is usually anywhere from five to like seven thousand dollars. Yeah, so um, depends on the quality of the products that you go for. It's like everything you can buy. A, you know. If you're looking for a car, you only need something that's got four wheels and an engine, but um, there's different things that you can look at to um, to make it work better for your needs. And so we recommend different products in different situations and um, different warranty periods, um, different manufacturing standards. So yeah, five to seven thousand dollars is the number. There you go, people. We've said the number. So. And uh, talking about batteries, um, how much would people have to pay uh, for a battery system on top of the um, solar panels? Yeah, so our most popular battery is the Tesla Powerwall. So that's about uh, $15,000, $15, $15,500 at the moment. Uh, and then when we apply the, the rebate to that, then we, um, we come down... Uh, yeah, three and a half grand. So it brings us back to sort of $12,000-ish. Um, but obviously that's sort of like our cookie cutter, perfect. Everything's in the right place. Room in the, room in the switchboard, um, you know. But yeah, if we're running cables to the other end of the suburb and, um, and bits and pieces like that, um, then obviously there's additional costs with that. And um, there is lots of strict regulations about where we can put a battery as well. Um, our Australian standards are quite strict for our safety. Um, so there's certain rooms they're not allowed to back onto and they've got to be 600 mil away from things and 900 mil clearance above them. And so there's um, sometimes we might need to put it in a spot that's not preferable, which means they're running cable. And anyway, it's like everything. There's um, like you guys, everything's case by case. We design everything for yeah. the customer. Um, and so, yeah, you, don't hold me to that quote, please. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, what about, is there a more, um, like I, I sort of see, and correct me if I'm misguided here, but I see Tesla as kind of like a, a really high quality product. Um, yeah. Are there more entry level battery options as well for people that is an option or is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 
the Tesla actually is quite a big battery as well, 13 and a half kilowatt hours, or if you go back to the liters of electricity, it's, it's quite a lot. Um, so, I mean, it's good for a lot of people. So if you've got sort of, I'll put that in the ballpark of like two adults, two or three kids, but if it's just sort of two people by themselves, um, you're probably not going to get great use out of the full 13 and a half kilowatt hours. So yeah, we have um, a little Australian Redback battery that we uh -huh. like here. Um, and so, and the thing I like about this one is, and there's another one called a BYD, which pairs with the Fronius as well, um, is that, yeah, it's smaller. I can actually, it's got modules of batteries inside it, so I can scale it up and down um, based on what I think you need. Um, and also it's got a hybrid inverter built into it. So with the Tesla, it has its own inverter um, built into the battery, but then you still need a solar inverter as well. Whereas a hybrid is your solar inverter and your battery inverter together. So if you're doing it at right the first time um, and you know you want to get a battery up front, you can save you know a thousand, two thousand dollars because you've only needed one inverter there as well. It looks neat. Um, and it saves some money. It's actually slightly more efficient as well. So we've got a little red back that we quite like. Um, comes in That's at great. yeah, quite a good price. And yeah, you just plug the solar panels directly into it. So I'm a big fan of that. Um, and the other shout out I'll just give is um, the for three phase people. If you've got three three phase power to your home, um, the Tesla Powerwall. As much as I love it, it's like the Rolls Royce for single phase homes. If you want full home backup. Um, you will need the, the BYD and a Fronius Gene 24 inverter to back up all three phases of your, of your home, which basically means like for people that don't know what that is, which was me not too long ago, the, a phase is kind of just like most people just have one sort of cable running around their house powering everything and three phase just means that you've got three cables. So your loads are split up onto different cables and um, a power wall can only sort of touch one of them at a time, whereas a BYD and a Gen 24 from Fronius can power all three at once. So um, when there's no grid, yeah, it makes it good. Yeah, we've uh, we've we've talked with Redback in the past, you know, that and gee, talk about a passionate group of people. That, um, you know, they were they were super helpful and uh, just dedicated to what you know their products. So it was cool to chat with them. Um, so what would the, you mentioned the, the price for the Tesla battery um, sort of after rebate, what would you expect from say a Redback um, battery? Yeah, a, a Redback um, comes in at about seven, seven kilowatt hours, I think. Um, and it's about half the price, I'd say. I think it's about seven or $8,000 from memory. Yeah, and then um, it becomes quite attractive then when you're putting solar directly into it because um, it's just a, an efficient way to go about it, yeah. Yeah, and that's after rebate, that sort of price you've indicated, or we still got to apply that on there? With Yeah, no, that's after rebate. Yeah, cool. Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah, so no, it's really good. The only um, the only uh, hesitation with the Redback is um, its backup power isn't as good, so it can only supply a certain amount of current, which is not quite as high as the Tesla Powerwall. will back up the entire home, no worries. The Redback's more just sort of just your kitchen lighting and internet. Um, and like a, a power circuit so you can plug your laptop or your phones in. Um, but yeah, if you turn the kettle on, you, you probably trip your, your switch inside there. You have to head outside and, and flick it back and be like, I'm sorry, I'll be nice to you. Yeah. <laughs> and um, how do I determine beforehand how big of a system I need? Um, or is that something that you could advise people on? 
Yeah, yep. So, um, yeah, definitely don't buy a solar system unless someone's actually had a look at um, your situation. So what will happen is, um, Sandra, if you came to me and said I wanted to buy a solar system, I'd be like, um, that's awesome, but let's figure out how what size it should be. So I'll get a copy of your electricity bill. Um, and that's got two numbers on it that I just type into PowerCore's website. I can actually jump in, have a look at your energy data. So um, if you're sleeping in the morning, I'll know because I'll see what time the <laughs> coffee machine goes on. Uh, so I'll have a look what time you're using your energy throughout the day. Now I can zoom out, look at your year as well. But the key one for me is just pick an average day in sort of September, October, um, and then have a look at your daily load profile and, um, and design your system from there. So if you're using about 20 kilowatt hours of electricity per day, then I would say you need um, and we've got about four hours of sunlight a day, you probably need about a five kilowatt inverter to sort of cover that That needs is the old rule. But um, yeah, with the changing landscape, we like to get a bit more complicated than that, but uh, I won't bore the listeners with the ins and outs of it. So I'll look at your data essentially, and then I'll tell you based on how much electricity you're using, I'm gonna provide you with the same amount for free over the next couple of years. And um, usually the system will pay for itself in about three to five, maybe six years. So. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I'm a bit interested in like investing and finance and things like that. And uh, like the normally the return on cash is like 25 or 30% a year. And so if you invested, if you invested $5,000 in the ASX 200 index, <laughs> the average return for that is 7% a year, top 200 companies in Australia. And here I am with a solar system that's doing 25%, which is, Pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, just to continue further down that, can we just touch on maybe off-grid systems? That is something that we do talk about quite a lot. We have a lot of clients in rural settings where they're usually coming from a financial perspective to begin with. You know, they've, they've got a cost to connect to mains. It, it could vary from you know, 50000 to $150,000 to, to get, you know, <clears throat> connection to the main supply. So in those situations, they, they generally turn pretty quick to ask the question of, what's an off-grid solar system going to cost us and uh, what does that look like? Yeah, no, that's a, a popular one that we hear as well. Um, yeah, around the $30,000 mark for connecting to mains is probably where I'd be like, oh, I'm not really sure you could go either way. Um, definitely, I would say at $50,000 to connect to the grid, um, knowing you're going to be paying a dollar twenty a day for the privilege of being connected to the grid every day for the rest of your life, um, that would be it. that would be the fifty grand would be the point where I'd say it's a no-brainer to go with an off-grid system because yeah, they're normally around. I think, I mean, it depends on so many factors like what you're running, how many people, how big's the house, oh, yeah, so many things. List length of my arm, uh, but yeah, around like sixty, maybe fifty thousand um, dollars. Can get you an off-grid system i believe i'm not the off-grid specialist um yeah i've got an off-grid electrician that handles that here but uh, i think that's yeah, roughly in the ballpark and so yeah it just seems to be a, a bit of a no-brainer i would i would think yeah to go off grid mm. we, we yeah we quite often find that that's usually the outcome is that um once they weigh up the other benefits of being completely self-sufficient in their you know their power supply for the home that the off-grid becomes, you know, the preference, you know, if we look from a sustainable perspective or, or other reasons, yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah, thanks, Ben. No worries at all. I need to play the devil's advocate again. Um, got another more critical question um, when it comes to the pricing. So we've heard from people around us that um, 
the quotes and the numbers um, that are being set from solar technicians vary pretty much, like pretty greatly. Um, so our colleagues' parents got four quotes from solar technicians um, when they were renovating their house. And they got four different answers in regards to what kilowatt rating they need and components to get and, and all that stuff. And that made it really difficult for them to make an informed decision because they were getting so much different input. Is that something that you've experienced um, in the industry as well? And what would be the explanations as to why these could vary so greatly? Yeah, interesting one. I've actually heard of too many people that have um, been, yeah, super overwhelmed with um, different sizes as well. Um, but yeah, there definitely is some variance. I'll, I'll try and shed some light on, on what could be happening, I guess. So the first uh, part that we're varying is, um, yeah, the kilowatt ratings, which, which we're, that's just the size of your system. So how many panels do you need? How much electricity do you need? Um, and then, yeah, the other part is like the components of the system that drives up the cost as well. So as I was saying before, the size of your system or the kilowatt ratings should be directly linked to your usage. So you should be able to call up the person selling you the system and say, why have you actually, why do you think that's the right size system for me? Um, so they, they should be looking at your energy data as well, seeing what time you use your energy, um, what your energy is at different times of the year. So in winter, you'll use more electricity and you'll also have less sunlight. So you've got to think about that as well. Um, What's your peak demand, um, like your highest loads and things like that? If you've got a welder and stuff that you want to be covered, um, then we might need oversize for that. Um, and so if they don't have an explanation, and then, then, yeah, you really need to be asking questions about uh, that company. Um, but in addition to that, like in, in my defense as well, I actually look at your data, but then also stray from it. So if I looked at your data for that example before, on paper, if you're using 20 kilowatt hours a day, like a six kilowatt system would be fine, but also take the time to sit down and actually get to know the customer. So if you tell me that you're putting in a pool, you're going to buy a new split system air conditioner and you've got a Tesla on the way that you're like an electric car, um, then your energy is going to increase a lot from what I'm seeing on your data at the moment. So, and it is important. Like everything's coming electric. Like your lawnmower will be electric the next one you buy. Like, um, so many things um, are becoming more electric. It's good to allow for future room to grow. Like if you don't have kids yet, kids are going to leave the light on all the time and not know about <laughs> it. Um, and so, yes, yeah, I like to allow a bit of room for growth as well. Um, but I'm always honest and upfront. I say, look, the data says this, but this is what I would recommend just to be future-proof because it is a bit expensive to come back. If you want to add to your solar system, you've got to buy a second inverter as well as just panels. So it is cheaper to just do it right the first time. So that's why we do that. Um, but yeah, just, just ask them, quiz them, get them to know what they're doing and try and get them to sit down and, and spend some time with you on the sizing. Um, that'd be why there's some variance there. The, yeah, the other part is the components. Um, I think like everything in life, there's a spectrum of, of price and quality and you do get what you pay for. And that's um, certainly true here. Um, I mean, Anthony, you've probably got uh, like different manufacturers of double glazed windows that you could source from. They probably all they all would let light into the room. I would hope, um, and you know some are cheaper than others, but they don't all perform as well, right? Like some will have a a higher U value, and then you know they're not resisting any heat, and they just may as well have the door open. So um, it's the same with cars. Like yeah, we could we could buy all sorts of different cars, and they'd all get us from A to B. 
but some are going to actually carry the things that we need and, and some aren't. Some are going to break down because we're loading them up too high and going to not be able to tow our caravans and things like that. Um, a big one that drives up costs for us is our Fronius inverter. So we often do come in more expensive than our competitors because we're actually selling better products. And it's something we believe in. It helps us sleep at night knowing that we're not going to get a thousand phone calls tomorrow from people that are, have got cheap products that are dying in the heat and not coping. So Fronius inverter compared, to, it's made in Austria. It's been a hundred companies, like a hundred years old. It's been in Australia for 10 years now. Um, it, if you compare that to a, a Chinese made inverter, it's like a thousand dollars more, you know, in a, in a five or $6,000 system, it's a fair, it's a fair chunk of money. Um, but we do have our reasons for going Fronius, like 90% of our installs are Fronius because it gives us great data for monitoring. So I can, I can look after you as your fleet manager, um, at a customer in Gornong just the other week who I was just checking his systems every week I go through and check people's production curves. And I was like, gee, why is it all over the place? It's not looking right. And then the Fronius actually gives me everything that's going on around it. So I looked, looked at the different channels of information I had. It turned out the grid voltage was too high and the inverter was shutting off to protect itself. So I called PowerCore and got them out and they fixed the grid voltage at, on that guy's street. And then the next day his inverter was working fine and I didn't have to get off my chair and charge him a $250 call out fee to figure out what's going on. Um, so that's a pretty cool thing as well. Yeah, fault notifications like that are so important. Um, and the other thing about Fronis is like they're based in Tullamarine. If we do need to replace your inverter, it's like an hour and a half by freight <laughs> to send it there and then you get a new one. So it's really good, fan cool. I could go on and on and on. I could not think of uh, anything more important than, you know, powering your home. So for that fee, I don't see that as a, a substantial difference. I just see that as that's a no brainer to me. Um, I don't know how much it must suck to sit in high or mid 30, 40 degree weather without power. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, especially if you're going off grid. Yeah, there's no backup plan. So you really got to make sure you get the right stuff there. Uh, but yeah, and even like you can buy things that have the same warranty period often. So we, like we have a, a Chinese inverter and, and our Fronius inverter um, at the same 10 year warranty, but it's no good to you if it's on the wall for a month or two while we're organizing your replacement. I'd rather go for the one that I'm confident is going to long outlast its warranty period. So, yeah. What is the average lifespan of a solar system? Like what can I expect if I put a new system on my house? How often does it need replacing? Does it need replacing at all? Does it need maintenance in between? Yep. So our standard sort of mid-range solar panels come to 15-year product warranty. Um, but yeah, we have two options for a 25-year product warranty. Um, and so if you're going for a high-quality product, you could be getting 30, 40 years out of your solar system. That um, it, it really is, if you're in your forever home, I would really encourage people just to go for that. Just set, do it once, do it right, and never touch it again because um, it's just technology's come a long way and they really are bulletproof. The one thing that you will, if you're in a house for 40 years, the one thing you will have to change over at some point is your inverter. Um, so yeah, all inverters uh, that I know of have a 10 year product warranty. Um, it is like a, a piece of electronic equipment. So it will just like a laptop and, and batteries and, you know, things like that. They wear and tear and it's in your garage or it's outside. It's quite hot. They, they cop a beating and, um, 
So 10-year product warranty with Refronius, we're expecting that to last around 15 years, the newer ones um, that came out in 2015. They're still going strong, all the ones that were installed back in 2015. So no signs of letting up anytime soon. They're actively cooled and, uh, and that. But yeah, I definitely wouldn't say with any confidence that they're going to last 20 or 30 years. I think you'd have to replace those around that 15-year 15 15 mark, maybe right on the 10-year mark for the cheaper ones. But again, that's probably like $1,000, $2,000 to get that replaced. Um, so, um, so that's fine. I'm quite happy and quite confident. Uh, yeah, feel comfortable yeah. doing that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the other thing was servicing. Yeah, just get them checked every sort of two years, I would recommend. Um, yeah, just to make sure that all the cabling is, is all in good condition. There hasn't been any water that's got in anywhere or anything like that. Um, just good to keep an eye on it. Yeah. Maybe diving a little bit into the sustainability aspect of solar panels. Um, so that's one of the major reasons um, why people get solar. It's not just about the cost. Um, it's also about getting a product that you feel good about. Um, but again, playing devil's advocate, um, with the cost of mining for the materials, the lithium that you've mentioned and all the other components um, and the environmental and monetary um, influences that play a role as well, Again, obviously, depending on where you get the product from. Um, but are solar panels overall beneficial for the environment or does the production of them actually outweigh the benefits? Yeah, great question. And a bit of a spicy one out there that I, I've heard and tried to explain to people before. Um, so, yeah, like I've studied sustainable systems engineering. So trying to, to engineer solutions for mankind that are actually holistic and, and thinking about circular economy and recycling and end of life and bits and pieces. So I actually did a, uh, the final project of my degree was about the life cycle of solar panels and, um, and their recycling at the end of their life. So, um, first of all, like it is great that we're asking this question because, you know, I actually learned that, you know, as a Western society, we have a history of what we call band-aid solutions. So, you know, for transport, for example, we had the old horse and cart, and then the horses started dying by the side of the road from pulling around all our things and, and bits and pieces. So then we went to wood-fired steam engines, but then we were running out of wood. So then we were like, oh, okay, we'll, we'll have coal-powered steam engines. And now here we are, and we're like, oh, we're kind of, choking the planet uh, with this so we should do something else let's go to solar and so it's natural to think that you know like oh maybe that's just another band-aid solution with its own problems um, but thankfully we have learned some lessons over the couple of hundred years of history that i just brushed up on then um, so but uh yeah so i have actually studied what's called a life cycle assessment so you look at the um at the life at the the impacts environmental impacts throughout the life cycle. And so for a solar panel, normally, let's just use numbers that I'll sort of make up. Let's just say it requires all the mining, manufacturing and all that. Let's just say for one panel, it's about 900 kilograms of carbon dioxide equivalent emissions. That panel in its first year will create enough electricity to offset 300 kilograms of carbon dioxide emissions. So in three years, normally two to three years, um, it saved enough emissions to to match what uh, what it produced in its 
manufacturing and mining and things like that. So it's actually really similar to the financial aspect. Yeah, in about three years, it's um it's paid for itself both in carbon and in um, and in dollars and cents. So yes, it checks out everybody. It's uh it's all above board. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Just another question that just popped into my head if we're looking at like if everyone, let's just say in Australia, would change to solar tomorrow, um, do we have like is is that a solution that would work? Is there because I think a lot of people are like wondering, do we does it bring enough energy to to power all of Australia? Because we're looking at or we were talking about a residential perspective. Obviously there is a more industrial manufacturing perspective as well that demands a lot more energy um is there a solution for that or is that something that needs to be sorted out in the future um yeah i think we should go we should go big in solar we should go hard and and go heavy with it i think they should just put it up everywhere and there's now like robots that roll out solar farms like it's pretty crazy we're getting good at rolling out solar um especially up in the northern territory and things like that um, I don't think it will be the be-all and end-all solution to the whole of Australia. Like we're never going to have enough solar power to power our steel manufacturers and and the big boys like that. Um, we're going to look. We're going to have to get sort of green hydrogen or biomethane or, or something uh, different to do that. Um, but you know, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. I say. I think yeah, just do as much as you can. Um, and yeah, I think solar and batteries will get us all a long way to where we want to be um but uh it's still a lot to to do if we wanted to completely offset our our mining and bits and pieces um but you know on the other hand we don't have to fully offset our mining because our mines are providing us with copper for our electric cars which don't produce emissions compared to our combustion engines and you know mining isn't all bad like people say it is so um yeah i think we just need to Go as, go as hard as we can, but just because we can never achieve 100% doesn't mean that we should just stop installing solar panels, you know what I mean? So uh, we hold this solution. There's other things that go alongside solar, yeah, like batteries and biogas and um, and wind. So, um, so yeah, there's, solar isn't the, the only way to do it. I think we've all got to work together in renewables industry and We'll create a clean future, and it's um, it's super exciting. Actually, love reading about all this stuff. Yeah, it's a lot happening. Yeah, super exciting. Well, I think maybe now is a good time to ask. Then, what what do you think is the future of solar? How what what where do you see solar energy evolving or developing into in the future? Yeah, it's anyone's guess. Like it's a year is like seven years in the solar industry. Things move very fast it's like a full-time job to try and keep up with all the new technology but um i think i touched on virtual power plants earlier i think they're crucial um and i think a level up from that so the virtual power plant being yeah all your batteries are connected to the grid and they'll work as one to release energy and soak it up as required um I think a level up from that is when you take your electric car and you plug it into what's called a bi-directional inverter. It goes two ways. So you can charge your car, but also charge your house and power the grid. So because your your car has a big, big battery in it, it's an electric car. Um, And so a vehicle to grid sort of virtual power plant. So I think that could really solve our issues. If you imagine, I was saying like, we have way too much electricity produced in the middle of the day and often not enough demand for it. If everyone's got their cars plugged in at their office at work, 
and they just soak up this electric electricity from the roof of their their office or their warehouse or wherever they are then they can just drive home plug the car into their house and power their house for free um, then all that energy is being distributed and, and so electric cars i think and being connected into the grid could be really cool um, if we can get that technology happening and uh yeah and then just batteries batteries are still in their infancy in terms of being adopted but we're really seeing the last couple of months um everyone like not many people call me up just asking for a solar system anymore they want a battery as well so um, batteries are, are super popular and they'll only get more popular um to sort of stabilize the grid um so but yeah the actual solar technology who knows what will happen with that but i think that's pretty pretty stable as well but yeah you can always get little bits and pieces that come along that make things cool like uh, we've got new monitoring software called solar analytics which has changed the game in terms of being able to do heaps of things like it can now um have a look at your energy usage based on how much you export to the grid and how much you use it'll say hey if you switch to this energy retail i can tell you exactly how much you'd save and it's completely unique to you so it makes it really easy because energy plans are becoming hard for us humans to compare so that's a really cool thing um yeah who knows who knows hope that sheds some some light on it yeah exciting future though yeah you were saying that people are asking more and more about batteries is there um like what what are the other common questions that you get asked by the by your clients or maybe what are some of the myths or ideas they come to you with um that you would just like to clear up once and for all because you have to explain it every single time now is your chance <laughs> Yeah, right. Um, the I'll start with the myths. The, the big myth is like I've, I think I've mentioned it a couple of times. But yeah, like oh, solar isn't worth it anymore because the feeding tariffs six cents. So it used to be sixty on my last system. So like maybe just scrub back to my answer on that. But basically, just use the energy yourself, and you'll save way more. Like, would you rather get six cents for sending it to the grid or save twenty six by not using buying it from the grid? So definitely, just be a bit smarter about that. Yeah, the other one, like, oh, batteries are too expensive. There's this big thing in the industry, like, um, people are like, oh, no, batteries are too expensive. It's not worth it. Uh, I'll wait until they get cheaper. Like, batteries are going to get cheaper. Like, in the last year, um, you guys probably um, know better than anyone, but everything has actually gone up in the last year. Like, wood, steel, like, everything has gone up 30%. I don't see why lithium would continue to go too much further down. So... Actually, like if you Google lithium prices over time, you'll see it's it's just done a big sort of arc down and it's sort of flattening out now. So it's really never been cheaper and the rate of decline is is decreasing. I hope that makes sense. So uh, it's not going to get cheaper very quickly. Um, so now we actually are at the perfect spot to do it and the rebates are also reducing every year. So you want to jump in now while the rebate's still three and a half grand and, um, and make the most of it. So that's the, the other one um what else have i got here i did think of some questions no that's pretty much it actually yeah I'm happy with that yeah and some common questions that i have yeah i can't really think of um oh here we go i did write it down i found it here we go so um yeah most common questions are the rebates which we've been through uh yeah often i just wrote down like can I get a quote for a 6.6 kilowatt system, please? <laughs> and, uh, my response is why? <laughs> uh, what's the thought behind that? Like you live by yourself, mate. I don't think you need <laughs> you need that much power. Um, 
warranties, which I think we've touched on as well. So 10 years for an inverter, 15 to 25 years for your panels. Um, and I love when I hear this question, this means they're excited. Is how long do I have to wait before it's installed? Um, in America, I think I was reading it's like three months or, or it's like four to six months. It's a very long time. There's lots of paperwork over there, but we are quite good here. Um, and so, yeah, we can get you installed from, from sale to, um, to invoice in sort of like four weeks. So um, it's pretty, pretty fast. Yeah, it's good. That's awesome. All right. Um, I think I have one more question and that's one um, that's kind of combining our two worlds, um, solar panels for houses. And um, there's some people who are kind of also going the other direction and are saying, well, if I have, um, if I have a solar system on my house, why would I need insulation? Why would I need double glazed windows? Because I can just run the air conditioner. I can just run the heating the whole time. It doesn't cost me anything. So maybe for you, Anthony, what's, what's a question to that uh, what's an answer to that question that you would give? Well, for me, I think I look at solar as it's just part of this holistic solution to creating, you know, a comfortable, healthy and durable home. Um, it's, it's sort of, yeah, it might tick a few of the boxes in, in response to the, those things, such as energy efficiency. It may not tick comfortable <clears throat> unless you're going to have an air conditioning or, you know, an auxiliary or mechanical heating and cooling device in every room that you're living in. Um, but it, uh, it certainly starts to play with the healthy aspect as well. It's not going to prevent, by having solar panels, it won't prevent um, a reduction of air quality internally, that's for sure. If you've got some moisture issues in your bathroom um, and mold growth, then yeah, that's, yeah. So to me, I, I see it as part of the overall um, as opposed to, yeah, um, sort of being the, the one all solution to not having to worry about those things. I'll just add on top of that, like I had a customer who, had a just a standard new build home and had this massive add-on refrigerant air conditioning system and I looked at the sticker on it and it draws like 4.6 kilowatts of electricity and so the standard solar inverter is five kilowatts so it's like a, a typical solar system for that guy would just cover his air conditioner and so if you could create a house that doesn't need that much cooling <laughs> then you could actually save money by getting a small solar system this guy had to get like a 10 kilowatt solar system because he needs a house plus an air conditioner which is a huge load so get a cheaper solar system if it doesn't need to do as much for it as well yeah awesome all right i think that's it that's our long list of questions um super insightful thank you so much for your time and for explaining everything in, in really easy to understand terms um i think i've learned a lot I hope uh, our listeners have learned a lot. If there are any more questions, um, feel free to reach out to us. Feel free to reach out to Ben. We'll have all the details um, linked in our episode notes. Um, and yeah, exciting times ahead, I, I hope, for, for the solar industry and for sustainable systems, I hope. Yeah, and you guys certainly are doing it sustainably. I couldn't believe in the last episode I listened to, you said you design your room so that there's less plaster off cut and stuff like that's that's just amazing you guys so you're ticking all the boxes for me it's a bit of a green thumb so yeah keep doing what you're doing guys and um stay in touch yeah absolutely yeah no i look forward to chatting more about it all ben thanks